Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave. As always, I'm joined by my guys Josh and Caleb. Guys, there's preseason action happening out there. Let's talk a little bit about what we're seeing. Let's see whose preseason stock is rising and whose is falling. Anybody want to jump in first? We'll talk about Zach Wilson. We've famously, well, not famous, we're not famous. We're trashing Zach yeah, we're Wilson. trashing Zach Wilson. He looks fine in what he was doing. He looked good, but there hasn't really been adversity yet. He's playing the second stringers with his first teamers. So we don't really know. I wouldn't get too hype on it yet, but he's not making mistakes. But he's looking good. He looks poised. Yeah, he's not making. He's easy. showing off the arm strength that he's, he's supposed not, to he's have. He's not playing dumb. So he's playing he's not, okay. ha- as good as you can against second. For streaks. a Zach Wilson hater, Caleb, I will give you that as a positive. Thing. He's he's playing good. He's playing good. Well, His we'll, see what he, we'll see what he does against the Patriots yeah. and all that when we get into the season. Yeah, I would agree. Zach Wilson, you agree? Who? Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Wilson's looks solid, as Caleb said. There's not been a whole lot of adversity. He's he's made the right decisions, but there hasn't been plays where like where, where people have said he's an elite type player. Obviously, being drafted second overall, right. haven't seen those type of plays yet because obviously it's been easy. Yeah, I mean it's preseason. We we get that for sure. But I, I would agree. I think I think he looks calm, poised. Definitely has the arm strength to throw outside, like we talked about before. Uh, somebody standing out for me. I'm super impressed. I'm not being a homer. Michael Parsons. Guy looks good. They they put him in scenarios. Uh, Caleb, you were sharing with me that video where he was being sandwiched between a guard and tackle, shed the guard, and made his way to the play. Pretty impressive so far. Yeah, I mean that he, you can argue that he, the center was looking at a different guy, and that's why he <laughs> fell over. But he still right. pushed the man over, and he's fast enough to get to the quarterback and force an incompletion. Tyrod Taylor had to scramble out of the pocket immediately. I think it was two seconds within the play, so it's good to see and encouraging because Dallas really doesn't give pressure like yeah. they're supposed to. Yeah, there's no pass rush in. Dallas, that's for sure. But yeah, I like him. I mean, you know, we drafted him high. He should be somebody that we can count on. And so far, so good. He looks good in the time. I love the uh, sound bites. That's the best part. Because if you're listening to Hard Knocks and any of the sound bites now, famously, he's calling coach asking to play more, which is good. You know, you want to see your young guy up and, and rolling. Another group that's uh, kind of impressive to me has been uh, Cam Newton and Mac Jones. I mean, to be honest, both are stepping up. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, Cam Newton's. Doing really good compared to last year. He was, I think he was perfect almost in this last game. Eight of nine for a touchdown. Looked really good. Mac Jones, the same thing. Really efficient. I think it's more Bill Super Belichick calm. with this offense. The offensive yeah. scheme is money right now. You get the sense, Josh, that Cam is trying to answer the call? Uh, I mean, Cam obviously isn't trying to lose his job. Yeah. But he, he acknowledged immediately when he was drafted and acknowledged a couple times a week that he knows that Mac Jones is here to take the job and he's just trying to play his best ball. This year, obviously, in his second year with Bill Belichick, a very not not easy offense to learn, no. obviously. Yeah. And uh, he's trying to improve. He's not trying to lose his job. So. Yeah, I agree. Who else looks good to you guys? Who else has stood out in these, as you said, not so uh, valuable or exciting playoff games, but football nonetheless? Yeah, one guy I want to mention is Jarrett Patterson. He's a backup for the Washington football team running back. He's looking real solid. I think he has 160 yards over the past two games. Looking really good, and especially with Gibson, he's had some injury concerns in college and last year with his toe. Right. So it's, it's really encouraging to see that there is some depth at the position now for the Washington football team. Yeah, I think he went to the same college as Cleo Mack, Buffalo. But he, he averaged about 170 yards per game in college. He had a game this year where he, I think he had eight touchdowns as well. So very productive college back, and uh, it's glad to see that he's producing 
over 100 yards in the preseason. Yeah, he's a hoss. He definitely looks like he belongs uh, carrying the football. Uh, no surprise for me, Pat Frymuth. He plug and play made Ben look like a million bucks. There's clear <laughs> that Ben trusts this guy right out of the gate. How important is it for Pittsburgh to have that depth by having a tight end? I think it's really good. Pat Frymuth showed exactly why they drafted him. He's dynamic in the red zone. He can one on one balls. He's going to catch them. He can block really well. He's going to be on the field a lot. Big target. And Ebron and other players on the Steelers last year and even in preseason that game we saw the struggles with drops. Ebron dropping the ball. And I think Pat Frymuth brings some consistency mm-hmm. to this team, and it's really good for Big Ben. Yeah, and I'm glad to see Mike Gusecki, or not Mike Gusecki. I was going to bring up Mike Gusecki, but I'm glad to see <laughs> Pratt Frymuth producing. He's yeah. scoring touchdowns in the NFL. People joke him for not being the fastest tight end, but he's already immediately proving in his first game that he is going to be able to score. I believe Mike Gusecki and him went to the same college, and I believe that over the span, I think in a shorter span, Pat Frymuth doubled his touchdown total. And as we know, Mike Gusecki's a productive tight end in the league, so I think it's broadcasting and forge, or forecasting what what Pat Frymuth is going to be able to produce in the league. Yeah, I love, I've said, we've said a few times now on the podcast here that uh, Ben Roethlisberger needs, you know, some options. I mean, being able to throw to the same three guys is not going to make your offense very uh, explosive at all. So good to see. Yeah, and another thing that I noticed with the Steelers offense, at least, is that it's opened up a lot more. We saw Juju Mm -hmm. playing short a ton last year, and we saw him making plays on the sidelines. We saw Deontay Johnson, who played a lot towards the line of scrimmage, was down the field more. I believe he had a 40-yard reception. The tight ends were involved last year where they were dropping footballs. Glad to see Pat Fryermuth catching. And then Najee Harris even had his 40-yard run and was consistent in that game as well. Yeah, speaking of Najee Harris, I think that's the main reason why this offense is opening up so much. Big Ben, he has options now. He can choose to do RPO. That that makes the linebackers be a little more honest and not – pull everyone in for a blitz like last year because they knew they weren't running the ball last year yeah and it's glad to see that big ben has more control of this offense as well i believe with randy fickner who was the quarterback coach now the offense coordinator last year he's already gone his offense was just boring yeah very one-dimensional obviously the running game was terrible and i think that matt canada brings a lot and obviously deontay or not deontay johnson Najee harris opens up the offense as you said yeah now let's flip the coin let's talk about some players who's uh not having rising stock or her, their stock is falling right off the bat. Jamar Chase. Can I talk one one more good one? Yeah, Sean yeah. Slater. Hey, throw him in Sean there. Slater. Throw him in there. Yeah, offensive lineman for the Chargers. He's been lighting it up. No pun intended. Yeah. He's been very good. He hasn't allowed a single pressure on his quarterback this preseason, which is really encouraging. Mm-hmm. And he's already looking exactly like how who they drafted him to be. Yeah, and he he played all across the offensive line in college. It's not surprising to see. He also has the size and everything that you want for. The position, obviously, is one of the best linemen in the draft, and I would argue that he's the best considering every he has basically everything that you want, and he has all the production. He's movable on anywhere on the offensive line, and I think he's produced very well. In his first game, I know he didn't play last night, but in practices he's been unstoppable as well. Yeah, so let's contrast that. Then we'll get back to Jamar Chase in just a minute. So Slater doing well. What's up with Penny Sewell? He doesn't look comfortable yet. I think it's a lot more than him, his talent or his ability. I think right. that it's the offensive scheme that they have. I think it's part of being on the Lions. And he, I think he's a little rusty. He's a younger guy, I believe. I think he came into the league when he was 20 years old. Can we start calling it the Ford curse or something? We need to come up with something. They should sell their team. But Panay Sewell, I think if you look at his frame, he does have short arms. And that, that, I guess that's good in college. But when you watch it in the NFL, these defensive end, defensive tackles, they have really advantage of it. Yeah, they have really long mm-hmm. wingspans, really long arms, and they're able to push his arms out of the way and get around them. I think he's just going to have to work on his technique and out perform them rather than try to be a stronger player yeah. yeah yeah and he's been a guy that usually absorbs the contact right and he's been moving back with the the, the edge rushers and their their long arms are getting around him and grabbing the quarterback and i think that was his problem but i think 
it's nothing to worry about because his technique is one of the best, obviously being the first lineman off in the draft. And he's uh, he's only 20 years old still, so yeah. still got plenty of time to I, grow. I do think it is possible, and I think it's I think maybe I think he's going to be fine. But I think with Penny Sewell, uh, it is possible to come into the league, and you took a huge step. And as you said, there's some monsters out there, bigger, stronger, faster, and they're pushing you around. It, it's an adjustment for sure. Yeah, I'm not even entirely sure that he played in college last year either. Oh yeah, yeah. He held out. Yeah, with the, yeah. I think I wouldn't read too much into it right now. It is preseason. We like to hype on get on hype trains and the derail trains yeah, too oh, yeah. early yeah, yeah, yeah but i think with dan campbell being there he was a tight end his whole career i think he's going to focus on the o-line and the tight end schemes yeah. to help golf with I that offense because so. golf's strong suit is standing there checking down hitting little dink and dunks it's going to be good i think panay Sewell, he just needs more time to adjust because like we said he didn't play last year which i feel like is harder to transition when you're such a young player yeah yeah but what you do like to see is that i think they're going to be starting him immediately He's going to be playing the first game on the team. He's going to be the starter. He's going to get as much playing time as you need to progress playing against other starting players. Yeah, let's let's talk about some wide receivers. There's three guys that come to mind that are, are not really impressive so far. What do you got, Caleb? Yeah, obviously Jamar Chase has been underperforming. I think their OC last week or two weeks ago said he's not getting separation that we need to see out of him mm-hmm. in practice, which is not good. And today they said he's going to lose some offensive snaps to Auden Tate, mm-hmm. who is their fourth maybe fifth-string receiver now. So it's not looking very encouraging for Jamar, especially with his performance in the last game. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd like to see him, obviously, it's no surprise that he's not getting separation. That wasn't exactly his game in college. Right. He would kind of just bully around the corners, and when he did get free, he would score. But I think it's not surprising to see that he's doing that, but you would love to see him receiving the football. He's had a couple of drops. I believe he had four drops in one game. I believe in the first second quarter, I don't know how long he played, but he dropped four balls in that game against the Washington football team. And then a couple practices this week, he's also dropped balls in the red zone and even on the first drive. How much of that is the quarterback not being sharp and not having a connection? How much is the guy just putting the ball on the floor? I mean, It's hard to say that they're not having a connection considering it was his college quarterback yeah, who true. he obviously produced with. And then you look at the plays that they're able to show us because they're limited in what they can show yeah. us, but the plays that he has dropped has been his fault. Yeah, yeah I liked Jamar. Like We didn't have him at our number one receiver. Obviously, if you go back and listen, he was like our third or fourth best, in our opinions, right. based off what we saw. I think that they drafted him to be that bully receiver who can run slants and get quick quick short right. yardage plays, like Michael Thomas, like Allen Robinson, just to be that reliable guy in the middle. They got him to be reliable. They had his quarterback, and they got him because Joe Burrow wants him, and there's a chemistry there, yeah. and it's clearly not working. Yeah, so the there's some problems there. I think this is more to blame of the offseason hype. Mm-hmm. Of everyone's saying he's Yo, that good, that good, sure. and he hasn't played in a year. That plays into it, too. But I think it was just overhype on a, I don't want to say bad offense, but they're going to force him stuff, and he's he better figure it out soon or he's not going to be able to be in this league. Yeah, like you said, he'll end up losing out to a player that was now A, thir- a third-year player, yeah, fourth string. And just like what we said with Panay Sewell, he did not play last year, neither did Jamar Chase. We know this, and I think potentially if he played last year with the quarterback play that was at LSU, he might have been drafted even lower. Yeah, two think, other. Go sorry, ahead. yeah, recency bias is the worst thing for yeah. for football, especially fantasy football. Everyone drafts based off the year before, and that's how it happens in real life too. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and disappointing so far. A couple more draft picks that were really high, not on our list, mind you. Uh, Kadarius Tony hasn't made the field. Hasn't done. Has he done anything yet? Um, he practiced a few times. He, right. He's practiced, but there's been we we've talked about this before. We're not the we're not super high on him. We didn't yeah. have him in our top ten because of these concerns where he goes to practice, he's having cleat problems, he's having whatever problems, and not to add that he's wearing number 89. 
mm. for a small wide receiver, it kind of looks weird. Yeah. Yeah, not – I mean, I think Amari Cooper wore 89 in the Raiders. And he really <laughs> wasn't productive Fair. there. Yeah, yeah. They used him wrong. But Kadarius Tony, I think there's some – I don't want to say character concerns. I think – I don't even know what it is. It seems like he doesn't want to be out there. Like he doesn't want to try to be out there. I don't know. He's yeah. had some small minor injuries. He's had – Cleat problems that made him mispractice. Sounds like he what hasn't AB been was up. doing with the helmet. Yeah, he didn't just... show up, and it was some weird. The beat writer said he didn't show up, and then apparently Joe Judge didn't say that he wasn't coming to the first preseason game. It's just a bunch of weird yeah. stuff happening. We're going to look back at this and be – we've already laughed about it enough, but that they drafted him over Elijah Moore and all these other guys in the draft. This is like the Daniel Jones draft to me. It's like, what the world are the Giants doing? All jokes aside from the number thing, yeah. but um, he just – he hasn't been there. You were talking about the first game. They didn't say that he wasn't going to be there. They said he had a slight injury, and he just he wasn't out there for warm up. So they're like, okay, where's he at? Yeah. And then everyone came out at the tunnel. Like, he's not here. Maybe he'll come out later. And then he just didn't show up to the game. And then after the game, they not figured good. out what was being or what was wrong with them because of Joe Judge. Yeah, and another thing, it's a bottom third offense the, since Daniel Jones has been there, and it's a deep wide receiver room. They have they just got Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. They have Sterling Shepard still. They have a few other guys. They have Evan Ingram taking snaps. They have. Yeah. Saquon Barkley is probably their best receiver, all jokes aside. I think it's it's a deep room to get drafted that high and not be at preseason. Not be productive. Not yet, not be productive in preseason or even be there. Yeah, and I think that when you look at him, you think he's kind of a, a short receiver. A, he plays closer to the quarterback, but I think his best route was the go route, mm-hmm. and he just he's not good around or short term because I think one of his – he was under – or is below average in the routes closest to the quarterback. Right. And I think that what they're getting in him is not what you might think you're getting in him. <laughs> Yeah, let's wrap this section up so we can jump into what we want to talk about today. Tutu Atwell also not playing well. Another pick that we thought was probably not the best option for where he went. Tutu just looks flat, you know? Yeah, I think when you look at Tutu, you think this guy would be great in flag football. But when you, when you put him <laughs> in pads with other guys over 6 feet tall, 250 yeah. pounds to 400 pounds, it's just, he just does not blend in no, well. I agree. Yeah, and he was he was a second round pick for the Rams, like we've said before. It was their, it was their technical first round pick because they never have a first round pick. Yeah, yeah. But in that game this week, the second preseason game against the Raiders, he played seventy offensive snaps, ninety two percent of snaps. That's a ton. Mm-hmm. And he was targeted thirteen times. That's a ton. A ton, a ton of volume, which is encouraging for fantasy. But he caught eight of those, which is okay. It's a good percentage. But he only had forty six yards. When you watch the game, he would catch the ball, and immediately there's guys on top of him, and they were throwing him around like he was a kid. Because of his size. Like, they were making a point to do that. I'm pretty sure John Gruden told them to do that. But you would see them tackle him and then just flip him over their... their, I mean, they were, so you, they were the second and third stringers were throwing him Yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. I mean, he has a ton of volume, but I don't think he's going to be able to make a splash in this league. Maybe like a Taylor Gabriel-type player. Okay. They can script some stuff around him like the Falcons and the Bears did for him. He was so small. I think he's not going to be what they drafted him to be. Yeah, I mean, even Taylor Gabriel wasn't drafted this high. I don't even know if he was drafted, but I think... When you look at him, you watch the the interception that was made on him. Mm-hmm. The 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 corner literally just ran there like he wasn't even there, like his presence wasn't even known, and he just jumped in front of him and took the ball. There was times where he was getting tackled, and then they would just throw him off of him like he was nothing. And I think it's not surprising to see the Rams draft someone like this, as we've seen in former years. They draft players and don't even use them, and I just don't see how he's not the fourth fourth or fifth receiver on this team. Yeah, yeah, size plays a big factor in the NFL. It doesn't play. Factors in other sports like the NBA, Isaiah right. Thomas, certainly the, the younger one. Yeah. yeah, he's I think he's like five seven, five six, and he's he was a productive player when he played, especially for the Celtics. But anyway, this is a physical sport. You're gonna get destroyed, yeah, tossed around up. if you're not a physical receiver, and that's not what he is. Yeah, and the things that people wanted out of him, 
being so small or speed, mm-hmm. and he's not like he's not a burner. There's cornerbacks that can keep up with him. There's safeties. There's other receivers on his team even that run. Didn't he run a four five? He ran, I think, ran four 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 five. I mean, not, he got drafted to be a speedster, and he's running four four. I mean, that that's still flying, but you're absolutely right. Hey, George it's, Kittle it's, runs a four four. It's, well, uh, yeah. it's flying, but <laughs> not flying with the rest of them. I'm the saying league. you can look at a guy like DK Metcalf, obviously one of the top receivers in the league, but he runs faster than him. And that's just, a, yeah. just and he's twice his size. Of I don't know what Tutu brings to the table that is superior yeah, or better than other receivers. Because if you're Tyreek Hill, you obviously are a speedster, and you're flying around, and you're tough, and you're durable. And, and he's quick. That's he right. plays not through injuries. Quick. Quick. The yeah. point Two I want to make things. with that right. is Tutu also suffered an injury in this game. We don't know what it is yet. Okay. He gets on the sideline for a few snaps, but he came back out and played through it. So we'll have to wait and see. Wow. Yeah. So hopefully these guys figure it out and get it rolling before it's too late. So let's jump into the meat and potatoes of this show. Let's talk about our top 10 fantasy wide receivers. Our list. Our list. We want to let you guys know how we feel about these 10 guys. And we'll give you, as we did last week with the running backs, our honorable mention. Let's jump right in. Number 10, Caleb, we have Keenan Allen as our number 10 fantasy receiver this year. Let's talk about him. I love Keenan Allen. I love him even more now with the new coach. And they have Justin Herbert, who offensive rookie of the year last year. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. He he was making these guys, these random undrafted free agents, these late round picks last year, look like all-stars catching touchdowns. You can you, most people can't even name the receivers on their team other than Keenan Allen. <laughs> Keenan Allen, in every season that he's been healthy with Philip Rivers and now obviously Justin Herbert, he's had over 200 fantasy points and he's been a top 15 receiver for PPR. So which is really good to see, especially with Justin Herbert. There, like I said, four times already. Yeah, yeah. What he brings is one of the highest uh, target totals in the entire NFL. He also brings 100 receptions. Ever since he's been healthy, he had a couple injuries, obviously to start out his career. But being healthy, 2017 to now, he's had 102 receptions, 97, 104, and 100, and he's had close to a thousand or more yards. And he's had he's brought six touchdowns. As well, he's very consistent. You know what you're getting in Keenan Allen when you draft him, and uh, he's just a very secure pick. Obviously, being a pick ten. Yeah, and for PPR, I would try to get him in somewhere in the late second round, right around there, second round maybe. Mm-hmm. He's not a first-round pick yet, but or probably won't be. But he's really he's number 10 on our list. He's a very consistent guy. He's going to get you those points that he's been getting the past five years. Yeah, and as we said with Justin Herbert, he brought up a bunch of players like Jalen Guyton, who I think ran one of the most or highest route totals in the entire league, but he obviously didn't produce to that because he's not that type of receiver. But J- he, uh, Justin Herbert obviously made him look good on the deep touchdowns that he did get. Yeah, and one more thing I want to add. I believe they have, um, is it Joe Lombardi? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From he, the Saints? Yeah, for the Saints OC. He's running back coach OC, whatever. Right. He's running Austin Eckler and some of these rookies and young guys, and I think that their run game is going to struggle. I think that's going to make Keenan Allen even more of a valuable weapon. It's going to make Herbert throw the ball even more than yeah. he already did. Yep. Yeah, when when you look at the the, the passing or the the passing leaders for the quarterback position, it's it usually comes with uh, teams that do not have a running game. Right. And I think the only other one that had that was obviously Dak was on pace with it with Zeke, and I think I don't remember who the other one was, but it, usually they do not have a running back, and I think that Austin Eckler obviously doesn't bring the most on the running side of the game. Yeah, when you look at last year, Josh Allen, they didn't have a consistent running game. Mm-hmm. He was technically the running game, but he had to throw much more, and he had a ton of yards because they didn't have a reliable guy in the backfield. Yeah, and then they also had Deshaun Watson, who led the league in passing. He had whatever David Johnson is now. <laughs> and they did not have a running game, and he was the passing leader, even with no receivers. Yeah. They had Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller for half the year, and he was still the passing leader. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I've had him in fantasy on most of my teams and in the past, and I just love his productivity, and I expect even more this year for sure. All right, moving on to number nine. Our number nine fantasy receiver is Calvin Ridley. Calvin's been doing well. We'll see how he does as the number one receiver with the absence of now Julio Jones. 
What do you think about Calvin Ridley? Why is he our number nine? Um, he was a top five receiver last year in both formats, and he was really consistent. And he, he didn't miss a beat when Julio was out, which is encouraging. My only fear with him is Matt Ryan's durability and his consistency, really. I think he's going to be really good, and Kyle Pitts being there could take some of that weight from the coverage off of him so he can get even probably more or the same amount of looks he's been getting. Yeah, and I think last year, as you said at the beginning, was we saw him basically play without Julio last year, and he, he was obviously productive, the number one receiver. Targets don't targets aren't just thrown around. You get targets because they're earned and you're open. Right. He's one of the best route runners in the entire NFL, so the ball is going to be going his way. There was games last year, I think there's only four or five games where he did not get 10, recept- or 10 targets. So he's obviously a highly targeted receiver. Yeah, without Matt doubt. Ryan is one of the highest, or he throws the ball as much as anyone in the league, the Falcons offense, and I think that he's going to be getting a ton of targets, a ton of looks, and I think that he's a very safe player. What's really good last year, like Josh said, that if you're talented, you demand targets. It's not something that you get if you're not good. He had 143 targets last year, caught 90 of those balls, which is okay. That's but good. He, but yeah. what he did with that is he had 1,300 yards, almost 1,400. He averaged 15 yards a catch, and he had nine touchdowns. So he's really good when he gets the ball in his hands, and that's something that's going to be really good for fantasy, obviously. Yeah, and, and to bring this full circle, those are numbers for a number two. He's a number one now, and that those numbers theoretically go up. We won't dive into the quarterback situation. We'll save that for another uh, another time. What do you got, yeah, Josh? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we were hinting at when we looked at Calvin Ridley being the number two receiver in 2018-2019, one of them obviously being a rookie. But in those games, he had in those seasons, first year he had 10 touchdowns, second season he had seven, missing three games, and he had, he had about 800 to 900 yards in both those years. As the number one for majority of 2020, he had 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns, getting about 15 yards per catch. And Caleb said 143 targets, obviously – Going to get a ton of targets in this offense, as I was saying, as Matt Ryan is one of the highest passing totals in the league. All right, well, that's only going to go up for Calvin Ridley. Moving on to number eight, another player who has lost some of his support on the offense, so should get more targets as well, A.J. Brown. Let's talk about how he's going to be more productive this year. I think he actually got more competition with Julio Jones, if Julio is healthy. Right. I think that A.J. Brown is very valuable. He was top ten last year. He's had 1,000 yards. Both years he's been in the league, mm-hmm. he's averaged his first year, he, last year, or the year before last year, sorry, he averaged 20 yards a catch, and last year 15 a catch. He's had 19 touchdowns in those two years. So he's very productive for fantasy. Yeah, yeah. and we, what we see with Keenan Allen and Calvin Ridley is they're high receptions, high targets, and they usually don't have a ton of yards, a ton of yards after the catch. Right. A.J. Brown is one of the best yards after the catch receivers in the entire NFL. He only had 70 receptions and had almost 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns, even missing two and a half games. And I think that it's he's a very high upside. He can just win you flat out your week up a couple of times a year. And what I meant, Caleb, about losing some talent, he lost a notable tight end, notable wide receiver, and brought in Julio Jones. So he lost two players for one. Obviously, Julio's going to snatch up a lot of those targets, arguably. But there's already comfort level with Tannehill and Brown, potentially. And I think that helps. Yeah, one distinction I want to make is A.J. Brown is a much more valuable receiver for a standard league, not a PPR. Right. Because he does not get as much targets as the other guys we've already said. Right. People behind him. But his first year had 84 targets, second year 106. He doesn't get a lot of targets, so he's much more valuable for his touchdown upside in standard leagues. Gotcha. Yeah, and obviously you're going to want touchdown upside, and that's the reason why we have him over a guy like Keenan Allen is because Keenan Allen has consistently gotten you six to eight touchdowns, eight on a good passing year like last year, mm-hmm. and six otherwise. But when you look at what Julio Jones bring, he obviously is a yards guy. He does not have one of the highest touchdown totals in the league. Usually he's not even in the top ten for touchdowns. So when you look at someone like Corey Davis last year, he had more 100-yard games than A.J. Brown, which is something that you might see with Julio Jones. Obviously, 
He's going to get a ton of yards, not going to bring away a touch, ton of touchdowns. That's going to be Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown's job. So I don't think you'll see a big change in A.J. Brown's game. Obviously shifting a tight end who got very few targets and then Corey Davis mm-hmm. onto Julio Jones. Yeah. I agree. All right, moving down the road to Dallas, our number seven, and no surprise, C.D. Lamb, second-year player, did not have the opportunity, in our opinion, to make the impact he should have or could have as a rookie, obviously with the absence of Dak Prescott leading the way. Certainly, uh, Andy Dalton did eventually get into a rhythm with him, but we all agree that C.D. would have been more productive had Dak stayed at the helm. Yeah, and C.D. Lamb being a rookie last year, coming into class with Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy and Brandon Ayuk and guys like that, in his first five games with Dak Prescott, uh, he averaged 86.6 yards per game, one of the highest totals in the entire league. He was on pace for 1,385 yards and about eight touchdowns. He would have been one of the top ten receivers in the NFL last year with Dak Prescott. That's exactly what you're getting this year in his second year. Yeah, and what's also really encouraging, with those four quarterbacks that he played with last year, he had 111 targets, and he averaged almost 13 yards a catch, which is really encouraging for a rookie, especially with the situation they had with the new offense being a rookie, but also McCarthy being there and learning it too with him. And the O-line injuries and Dak being hurt and then Andy Dalton getting hurt and all this, the mess. And yeah, he, yeah. Did, he performed pretty well. I mean, last year he was a Solid top, rookie he was a top 20 receiver last yeah. year with all that. Right. Yeah, and we, just as we said, you, you just said it, but we, they lost their basically their entire offensive line early. They lost Dak early. The running game wasn't the same when Dak left because yep. even Ezekiel Elliott has not played without Dak yet. Right. And then uh, CeeDee Lamb, he's just going to be, He's going to be moving around the offense. He's played majority of the slot last year, and as you see in practices, they're moving him outside more often. They're moving Gallup inside more often. He's going to be able to play anywhere on this on the field. And as we saw in college, he played majority of this, this his snaps on the outside. So he's played on the outside and the inside, and now they're moving him around in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's really good, like Josh said, about C.D. Lamb is he can play anywhere on the field. And what's really helping him out is Dak is a two-dimensional quarterback. He can run and throw. They mm-hmm. have one of the best run games in the league with mm-hmm. Zeke Elliott. They have all the, they're deep offensively. They have so many weapons, so all the pressure is not on him, even though it probably will be now because he's emerging out of oh, yeah, the best Oh, yeah, definitely a little more pressure. Yeah, but it, it's great with this offense. It's looking to be a top five, top three offense, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the top offense. But CeeDee Lamb's arrow is pointing straight up based off what he did last year with the adversity that he had, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, if we had done this podcast last year, you would have heard us talking about a few things like this. One, he was a monster yak guy in college. We said watching him in the pros, don't expect a whole lot of that right away until he figures out and adjusts. Two, he's a freak right now in camp, and Dak's not throwing to him, and he's absolutely showing off his athleticism with almost every ball. And then finally, three, he is going to get better this year in terms of understanding his tempo, and I expect to see his yak go way up. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was pointing at when I said he played majority on the outside and mm-hmm. then majority of slot on the inside in the NFL. So he's going to be playing the position that he's played majority of in the most of his life on the outside right. more often than he played in the inside, more than likely. But he's comfortable all around the field, and as I said, he would have been a top-10 receiver last year with Dak Prescott. One thing that doesn't really affect his play, I just want to point out, everyone thinks he's a small receiver, but he yeah, is no. 6'2", 190. Yeah. So he's, he's a big receiver. He's thin. He's, he's thin. undersized. It makes him look smaller than he is, so people underestimate that, too. He can be that extra receiver, that one-on-one guy that can just dominate people. We'll talk about 89 making a guy look funny. I mean, it make, I mean, it, it looks like giant numbers on his tiny chest because of his weight. But yeah. And love or hate the pro game, it's very different than the college game. And one of the things I know we're not – 
again, don't hate me college lovers, but in college it's not uncommon to throw the ball up, have a superior you know, receiver, just take it to the house. Very common. That's what a lot of people love about college football. Us, not so much. We like watching the chess match that is pro football. In that regard, we knew it would take him some time. But he will adjust, and I believe he will – I believe, let's watch that number in particular. His yak should go up this year. Yeah, for sure. And just going back to fantasy aspect, I've, I've said it two or three, te- three, two or three times this episode, he would have been a top 10 receiver based off of his averages. Mm-hmm. And then last year, even without Dak Prescott, he averaged 13.5 points per game in full PPR. And I think that's obviously going to go way up with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott in the offensive line, better defense. Second year in the offense, Mike McCarthy was a rookie head coach. Or not rookie head coach, but he was – a first-year head coach on the Dallas Cowboys. Everything that you want, possibly, including this being a top-three offense, it, everything you want is what C.D. Lamb brings and what C.D. Lamb has around him. I hate to say it, but looking at what he reminds me of in camp, just in camp, this is a short, very shallow uh, you know, thought, but he reminds me a lot of young Randy Moss. Randy was just going everywhere, going after every ball all the time when he played. He was super athletic, usually the most athletic guy on the field, and I love to watch... CD go after balls the way Moss does. Now, he may not have the vertical. I don't know that Moss. They're different players. But I love the excitement I'm seeing from watching uh, CD go after everything. Yeah, and I think I think we're higher on CD Lamb than most people. Obviously, when you look at fantasy ADP on Yahoo and ESPN, he's closer to third, fourth, fifth round, wherever he is in between those two platforms. Mm-hmm. But when you, talk, when you look at CD Lamb, his timing is insane. Yeah. You look at him, or you, you pause it before the snap, and the ball's in the air going to the quarterback, and he's the only dude on the field moving. Yeah. His timing, for some reason, is just special, and I think he's a very special player. Yeah, and as people in my fantasy league know, I drafted him 15th overall <laughs> in a standard league. I think he's right around there for I fantasy. I that works out for you. Yeah, I think he's going to be the next DeAndre Hopkins. It's probably a hot take, but this offense is too potent for him not to produce. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really simple. Um, him with Dak is more productivity. So if you're drafting, keep that in mind. Dak Prescott, a healthy Dak Prescott, makes a difference. All right, number six, let's go to Justin Jefferson. Josh, why is Justin Jefferson number six for our list? Yeah, Justin Jefferson, very clearly, obviously his stats are out there, but he was the receiving yard, or he had the most receiving yards as a rookie behind Bill Groman. Bill Groman is a dude that played like 90 years ago, not in the <laughs> Super Bowl era, so they're right. not going to clarify that. Right. But um, Justin Jefferson had 1,400 yards. He had the fourth highest yards per reception in the entire NFL. And he was super productive every single game. And, uh, th- and I think it's no surprise to see him here at six, where he was right there last year. Yeah, yeah, I think six is good. But if he, had, if he was on a different team, he'd probably be way higher. I think having Kirk Cousins and most mostly Zimmer's fault, yeah. I think yeah. he would be higher up. But he is a guy that will take the top off the defense 100%. He can get... A deep ball, he'll score. He scores when he wants to, it seems like. It does seem And he, he can run routes very well. He can get open when he wants to. <laughs> He's a very <laughs> solid receiver, and having Thielen on the other side to take some of that pressure off yeah. him really helps him out. Yeah. yeah, and this is not including the fact that he, I think he didn't even start his first two or three games in the league, and he was still this high last year. And not to mention, they didn't even know how to use Kirk Cousins for the first part of the season. It's like he went away. I mean, his, his numbers were way down, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think since Kirk Cousins has been there, they've had two or three OCs, which is difficult for him, I guess. Yeah. We've seen him not be productive. We've seen him be productive. I think Justin Jefferson being there helps him out a ton. He was the wide receiver six last year for mm-hmm. fantasy. Very consistent, very big plays. He's not splashy. He's consistent and splashy at the same time. He has a very high floor, and he has a lot of touchdown upside. He can just open up the field. Yeah, yeah I think – I think I don't remember who said this, but I think there's 24 receivers to have 900 or more yards their first year as a rookie receiver. And I think 
obviously we had like four or five last year, and I think it's even more impressive to see a season like that where most of those dudes in that, what I just said, 24 receivers sure. came out last year. He was the number one in that year overall. Yeah, and also with the COVID season last year, I think other holdout years, Josh has mentioned in previous podcasts, that they, they do have a lot more passing yards, a mm-hmm. lot more pass right. attempts. I think it's something to do with the fans or like the run games aren't really. They just air it out a lot more. I'm curious to see if Justin Jefferson can repeat, but I think he, I definitely think he can in that offense. Yeah. Something interesting I wanted to bring up was he did not score any touchdowns in away games, and he, he did average over 70 yards in those games. He didn't hmm. score in any of those games, and he still was a top-five receiver. Interesting. Interesting fact to have. Okay, Justin Jefferson, number six. Number five on our list will go out west, DK Metcalf, a actual freak of nature. My goodness, that famed uh, scene where uh, Coach comes in and takes his shirt off to try to, to try to, I guess, flex on him. The Metcalf's a freak. He's number five on our list. Mm-hmm. Uh, DK Metcalf, he's hit over 100 targets in both years in the league. People thought that he was only just a downfield guy, big speedster. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird to say that when he's that large, that he's a speedster. Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> he's hit over 100 targets in both years. He's had over seven touchdowns in both seasons. And in games with 50 yards, or he's had, he's had 11 games over 50 yards mm-hmm. and nine games over 80 yards last year. And if you get a pick on him, he might just run you down and become a highlight <laughs> reel. So watch out for that. Yeah, I think he's number five on our list because of his quarterback, Russell Wilson. He mm-hmm. has a connection with him. He loves him, as Josh said. He's had 129 targets this year and 100 targets last year, or the year before. Mm-hmm. And he averages one of the most yards per catches in the league, I think behind Jefferson and a few other guys, at almost 16, 15.7 yards a catch, which is insane. He did. He could have had a lot more touchdowns last year. There was three or four that he did drop in the end zone and get batted out. Right. So he has a ton of upside, touchdowns, breaking tackles, everything you want to see, highlight real player. He's going to be a top five receiver, in my opinion, with Russell Wilson. Barring any injuries, is the is, and we've talked about this a little bit. Is this still true? The standard kind of for for being productive as a receiver, a thousand receiving yards, ten touchdowns, hundred catches. If you hit those marks, two or three of those marks, you're pretty doggone productive still in the NFL, right? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to go back to Russell Wilson because last year he had Tyler Lockett have a thousand yards, a hundred catches, ten touchdowns. Metcalf he had a hundred. 30 targets, only 80 catches, but mm-hmm. he had four, almost 13, sorry, he had 1,300 yards right. and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. So he's getting a lot of work in that offense. Yeah, you hit two out of three of those numbers, yeah. usually you're, you are and, awesome. You hit three out of three, you're a pro bowl. And Russell Wilson point. can maintain two guys like that, so it's really right. encouraging to see that he also isn't the guy getting all the coverage on that yeah. offense because Tyler Lockett's sharing the well. Yeah, and if, you, if you're hitting 10 touchdowns, you're in the top 16 for receivers, and if you're not hitting 10 touchdowns, then, and if you're going to be a top receiver, you're going to have to be hitting... 13, 14 plus 100 yards. But when you look at DK Metcalf, just like I brought up with Justin Jefferson, he had eight of his 10 touchdowns were scored at Seattle at home. And every game that he scored in, they won aside from one game in Buffalo. And the year before, they won every single game except for one where they lost to San Francisco, who obviously went to the Super Bowl. So when he scores, they're usually winning. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. Speaking of Buffalo, number four, Stefan Diggs, now his second year there with Josh Allen. He should be ultimately productive. He's number four on our list. Tell me why he made number four. Stephon Diggs last year was one of the best in the league. He had 166 targets, 127 catches, a ton of yards, 1,500 yards and 12 yards per catch with eight touchdowns. We said, we in our family and our household had said he was amazing when he was on Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He was being underused. He had some injuries. Yeah. He's finally free, as we saw last year, and he went nuts. Top three wide receiver last year, 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns. I think he can only get more consistent, more better with Josh Allen. It was his first year with a COVID season. 
got traded before the season started. Second year in that system. Second year in that system. With a easily emerging Josh Allen. Yes, and they also got another receiver in Emmanuel Sanders to help with that, not, make him not get as much coverage as he normally does. Sure. He's still going to be number one covered. They obviously. got a little slot receiver who gets some action too. So I mean, Yeah, they have a ton. Their offense is looking amazing, yeah. and Stephon Diggs, his arrow's pointing up still with Josh yeah. Allen and him getting even better together. Yeah, and exactly what you want is a high receiver or a high target total, high receiving total. He was the highest in the league with 166 targets, obviously 1,500 yards. And I think, as you said, he's, uh, he's always passed the eyeball test. I think people have always been waiting. And I think it was getting to that time where people were kind of letting him go. I think the year before when he was on Minnesota, people were dropping him. But I think last year he obviously disproved that being a top-five receiver. Being the number one. I mean, getting most of the attention, that that's a big step. I mean, because Thielen, oh, yeah. I, I always thought, tell me if I'm wrong, I could never figure out if Diggs or Thielen always like they were lobbying to be one and one A. Well, when you look at Stefan Diggs, I think he's always been more impressive. I think the touchdowns have yeah. always leaned more towards Adam Thielen, so yeah. it makes you think that he was better, as well as Adam Thielen having that crazy year where he had like nine 100-yard yeah. games in a row. I think that uh, Stefan Diggs has obviously been better. Obviously the wide receiver won for the Bills, but high receiving total, high target total, and obviously 1,500 yards. Yeah, I'm not comparing him to Antonio Brown, but most receivers are this mindset. They want to be the guy. They want to be targeted. They want oh, to sure. have all the opportunities. So when he was on Minnesota, we heard about it in the news a couple of years he was there. He wasn't happy with the offense yeah. or the scheme because I think Thielen was there taking majority of the snaps and the, the targets from him. But being here, he's the guy. He's happy. He has chemistry. He can do what he wants. They're a Super Bowl-caliber team. Mm -hmm. He's only going to want to play better. I think this is the intangible that doesn't show up on a stat sheet, but it seems like Thielen and – uh, Captain Kirk had a more of a chemistry than Diggs did, and sometimes that detracts where clearly he and Josh Allen are, are besties. There's a bromance. It's very uh, very vocal, so that, that also helps with your chemistry. Yeah, I think Stefan Diggs should remain there, obviously, as we said, with the targets and everything, but Brian Day will be in the offensive coordinator. Obviously, bringing up this offense because the the head coach is a defensive minded head coach, or right. yeah, head coach, and I think the offense through Brian Dable we saw through college that he had Jalen Hurts and Calvin Ridley. He got the best out of Calvin Ridley, and I believe Jalen Hurts had 17 touchdowns to one interception. He got the best out of his quarterback, best out of receiver in college. We got the best out of his quarterback and receiver in the NFL, and I think it's only going to stay that way with Diggs and Josh Allen. All right, well, let's move down. We had already mentioned Tyreek Hill. At number three, he makes our list, the Kansas City Chief Speedster. Why is he number three, and how is he going to affect fantasy rosters? Patrick Mahomes. Plain and simple. We're done. No, I'm Mike just kidding. Mike There <laughs> yeah. you go. I think he's obviously one of the fastest one of the fastest players in the league, but he also can catch better than other fast right, players. Right. Yeah, like John he's Ross, Jakeem Grant. Josh. Yeah, he can catch. <laughs> John Ross and Jakeem Grant are the same speedsters, but they can't catch. He's an anomaly. Everyone's yeah. looking for a Tariq Hill. People got Bro, Henry Ruggs looking for him. One question. Why is my man's neck so thick? I mean, I remember He's the exercise we did to get our, you know, roll around your helmet and all when you play football. I don't I guess I guess that's to get your neck tight. My neck never looked like that. It's all right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Tyreek, tell Obviously, me how you got your neck so thick, bro. He's so good that Teams are drafting players just based on speed to get a guy like this. Yeah, he is. I, I remember, who was it? Uh, the little uh, slot receiver for New England Patriots that played forever. Um, Wes Welker. Welker. Everybody was, we need a Wes Welker type. He's a Wes Welker type. Yeah. And now we're saying he's a Tyreek Hill There's type. players that change the way offenses are schemed. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill, and, and defenses, obviously, oh, they yeah. have to make up for it. But coaches and teams are trying to find a Tyreek Hill, and they can't. Yeah. He's an anomaly. It's the Nick, with, bro. with Pat Mahomes, he's... He's amazing. Yeah. When he, with Patrick Mahomes, he had 12 touchdowns, then 7, then 15. He's just 
He's amazing. I, I don't just take it. I don't know. Tariq Hill, as you've been saying, people are looking for him or looking for him in the, the draft. Style. And I think the sad part is he was drafted in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah. And he he got turned into this player. So, but since being in the league as a full time starter, came in in 2016, but as the starter in 2017, from now on, he said 1,270 yards on average and 123 targets on average. Uh, he's more valuable in non PPR, but that does not take away from his value at all. Sure. He's only finished higher in non PPR than PPR because he does not get as many receptions as a Adams or Hopkins or Diggs. Right. And uh, he's been a top five receiver in three out of four seasons. He's been top ten in four out of four seasons when we're looking at 2017 to now. What is encouraging for fantasy, obviously, is the two years. He's been with Pat Mahomes for three years, but mm-hmm. two years he was healthy for a full season. Right. He had 137 targets and 135 targets, and he had 87 catches in both of those years. The first year he had 1,500 yards. The second one he had almost 1,300 yards. 15 and 12 touchdowns. So with Pat Mahomes, when he's healthy, he is a top one. He was one or two in fantasy both those years. Mm-hmm. He's really good when he's healthy, and you definitely should get him as a top three receiver in fantasy. Yeah, and he's he obviously has insane upside. There was mm-hmm. a game last year where he had one of the most or the highest amount of yards and touchdowns in a game for a receiver of all time. And then when you look at last year, not only with upside, he always brings consistency. He had he had uh, I think he only had two games under 50 yards, and he only had four which he did not score a touchdown. So 12 games with touchdowns and only two under 50 yards. He's insanely consistent, and his upside obviously produced one of the best games in NFL history. And one of the great things about the Chiefs is that they're not just – it doesn't run through Tariq Hill. They right. have Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. He can also go deep, so mm-hmm. you can't cover everybody on that offense. So right. once a game, twice a game, Tariq Hill's going to break the field. He's going to score. I think we typically talk about two things. So here's when we say this. Don't be afraid of people if we're saying the opposite. Because here's what we mean. Typically good players will find a way to get theirs. So if you're a beast receiver – you're going to be over-targeted. You're going to get yours because you're good. But also, if you're on a balanced team, you tend to get your looks as well because they're moving the ball around, but, hey, this guy finds a way to score from anywhere. Yeah, we did not bring up the fact that he's literally the only receiver aside from Travis Kelsey. Mecole Hardman is not consistent. He does no. not get a ton of targets. Demarcus Robinson's more of a decoy than anything. He's just out there running routes. And I think that the main the main targets are a running game, Patrick Mahomes throwing to Tariq Hill and Patrick Mahomes throwing to Travis Kelsey. And that's why you take both of them so highly, right. as well as the running game. There's no one else there to answer when they, when they get called. And I think Tariq Hill, obviously, is just going to be top five again. Yeah, because we were watching the uh, all of the receivers, and I'm, I'm kind of taking notes in my head thinking, and I finally looked at Josh and said, hey, who should I be looking at here? He's like, everyone's irrelevant except for Kelsey and Hill and their running game in Mahomes. And he's right. I mean, I've, I know the names of the receivers, but they've had a revolving door kind of of receivers. And you're right. None of them have been relevant in the system. Yeah, one thing for Hill this year you should look into is he has knee tendonitis. He's had it for a few years, but it's been flaring up a lot this offseason. Mm-hmm. So look into that. Don't look too much into it. Still draft him, Just obviously. Just be aware. Just be aware and have a backup plan at receiver. Don't have him as your only receiver. Yeah, because two out of three years you said he's been healthy. When he's healthy, he's yeah. top. When if, he's healthy, he's the best receiver mm-hmm. in the league for fantasy. So just keep that in mind when you're drafting. This is the part that's so tough about fantasy because arguably I've cried, and I'm crying now if you're listening. I'm crying about my fantasy team when I lost McCaffrey or you lose somebody and your whole season is scrapped. You know How do you think the pro player feels when he knows he should be out there on the field? So. It, and we've, I think I've already brought it up that he was a top five receiver in three out of four years and top ten out of four, or four out of four. And he's finished as a wide receiver one in one year and wide receiver two in one year. And I think that he's already proven to us that he can do it. And I think there's no reason to fade, fade him other than if you're too scared about the injury, which obviously the Chiefs aren't too scared. They wanted to play him in the preseason, but he pulled his hamstring, which they said also isn't a, isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. He's had injuries like that before, and he's been just fine. 
Yeah, knee tendonitis is very weird for football players. You watch Todd Gurley, he had it. Mm-hmm. Majority of his career, he had it in college too. But it kind of killed his career for the Rams, especially he was on top of the world, then he just fell off a cliff. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying there's a possibility. when he, If he is healthy and plays the whole year, he will be a one or two best receiver in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's only projecting for the future because he has yet to miss anything or any games or time because of that. Yeah. And I think that he's a surefire top five, and we have him at three. I think he's a top three receiver. Now, before we jump into the two last on our list, keep in mind, you're probably thinking, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? We have some honorable mentions we're going to throw in there as well. Again, this is just our prediction of what we think you should do with your top 10 fantasy receivers. So number two, moving on, DeAndre Hopkins. D-Hop's always the most electric player in the room. Why is he our number two? Yep, DeAndre Hopkins has been a top four wide receiver in five out of the last six years, going up to 2015. And in one year, he did not produce top five or top four because of Brock Osweiler. Brock mm-hmm. Osweiler, oh, got, he, they traded a ton for him for no reason, and he only threw 15 <laughs> touchdowns. So We could write a book about all the mistakes that the Texans have made. Yeah. But he's, he was top three in target share since 2015 every single year. Averages 165 targets. That's the highest in the entire league. Mm-hmm. And pers- perspective, we just talked about Tariq Hill. He averages 123 per year. DeAndre Hopkins averages 165. Wow. Yeah, so like Josh said, He's been a top 10 receiver every year of his career other than the Brock Osweiler year, mm. healthy seasons. He's had 150 targets over the last six seasons. So he is the most targeted guy, like Josh said. He's going to get all the targets. He's going to be a top two receiver this year with Kyler Murray, who's only getting better. And hopefully with getting these other guys in their offense, it can take some pressure off of him, which it doesn't really matter. He was the number one on the miserable Texans with Tom Savage, Brock Osweiler, and these random other guys they pick up off free agency. So having a number, or a top quarterback in the league, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, he's only going to get better, better, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. So he's he's been top four every year, other than Brock Osweiler. Sadly, Brock Osweiler. He's averaged over hundred. <laughs> we're, we're destroying the poor Brock Lobster here. <clears throat> well, they traded so much for him, and yeah. he did nothing. Nothing. And then they had that playoff game that he could have won, and he against just, the he, Raiders. He I watched that game three times. <laughs> painful what no. you watch it three times <laughs> no, but they he, replay the games at night yeah, yeah that's true aside from deandre hopkins being tied to one of the worst quarterbacks in the league he has had over 1300 yards including that one season over 1300 yards a year highest target total in the entire league and he's only missed one game in his entire career this is an example of a guy good players get theirs right here yep and something else i wanted to bring up was he he got put on a brand new offense as you said, he is Kyler Murray now, obviously. But when you look at recent examples of receivers transitioning teams, you saw Jarvis Landry, who was a top 15 receiver, go to the Browns. He was not a top 15 receiver in his first season there. And you look at Odell Beckham, his teammate, he was a top top of the line receiver in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. He came there and is not exactly the same guy yet. Obviously, he got hurt. But I think that you, when you look at a receiver changing offenses into a different team, their first year there usually is not a fantastic year. Other than Stephon Diggs. Other than Nelson Aguilar. No. <laughs> hey, Nelson Aguilar's going to be really good this year. Don't sleep on him. But, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, clearly top two receiver if he's healthy. He hasn't missed time. He's played through, I believe, knee sprains, AC joint sprains, rib problems, foot problems, yeah. anything you can think he's of. Tough. He's questionable every week for the game, but wow. he always ends up suiting up. He's reliable. He's going to be a top two guy. He's top ten every single year he's ever played. Top Kyler, four. Top four every year. <laughs> I, was, I say top ten because... He was the 10th best receiver with It's a Brock safe, ma- yeah, say top 10 is yeah. always safe. I'm just saying, Kyler Murray is way better than the guys he's ever played with. It's going to be it's it's going to be good. They're establishing chemistry in year two. We, I mean, the, you can't fade DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be a top five option. He hasn't missed any games. And I think top two is extremely safe 
considering what he's proven to us, and he's being he's being put with Kyler Murray, who's obviously going to throw a ton of touchdowns. Their running game is worse than it was last year. Kenyon Drake was third in goal line rushes, and I think Kenyon Drake's gone, and you get one of the obviously one of the most inconsistent in terms of injury running backs in the backfield in James Conner, and then you look at Chase Edmonds. He does not score any rushing touchdowns. They don't even give him opportunities, so they're going to be passing the ball way more, and DeAndre Hopkins will be getting a ton of looks in the red zone. Yeah, Hopkins, he's a future Hall of Famer, obviously. I mean, his yards, his targets, his receptions, everything is amazing. He has like four or five catches in his career that are top 100 plays in the NFL. Oh, gosh. He's amazing. I wouldn't fade him at all. Don't worry about his age. I mean, that's silly. He's durable. Just just get him top of the just second round, him. into just the first round, whenever you can. Can't go wrong. Every, everything that you want for a receiver is what DeAndre Hopkins brings. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's with, be, be, with being with Kyler Murray, who's a top-five quarterback for right. fantasy. Mm-hmm. Just as we explained for CeeDee Lamb, DeAndre Hopkins is the five-year, six-year proven guy, mm-hmm. and he's he's just been that guy, and he's going to average one of the highest uh, yards totals in the entire league for a receiver. Yeah, I would totally agree. You can't go wrong taking him at the number two. All right, our number one dynasty owners are certainly happy that uh, his quarterback is back in camp. Number one, Devontae Adams. We believe that he is – the top of the wide receiver class this year. Caleb, why would you pick him number one in your fantasy draft? Aaron Rodgers, MVP, Hall of Famer. He's arguably a top five quarterback, arguably a top three, maybe the best right now. Mm -hmm. He was the best last year. He won MVP. But the Packers last year were number one in every offensive stat for receptions, passing, whatever you want to say it. Mm -hmm. Every passing stat. Yeah. He had the MVP last year, Devontae Adams. He's clearly amazing i mean with that offense why wouldn't you take the guy who's the number one in the best offense with the best player mm-hmm. yep. and he averaged 20 he averaged over 25 points fancy points per game in full ppr he averaged almost half a point more than alvin Kamara, who many considered to be the best last year he was the best player not as a quarterback and he had more games with 100 yards than not if you include the one game that he left early against the detroit lions so he, he was producing over 100 yards in every single game or majority of his games mm-hmm yeah, and like Josh said, he was the best receiver last year for fantasy. He had 150 targets, 115 receptions, 1,300 yards, almost 1,400, 12 yards a catch, 18 touchdowns, mm. which is very, Monster very good. Like I said before, the Packers, they had the fifth-best offense last year, but they are the first in passing touchdowns, touchdowns overall, and they're second in red zone percentage. So he's going to be on the field. He's going to score in the red zone. That's what they do, 18 touchdowns. Yeah. No one else does that. And, and over three, over the last three years where he's been the most productive, He's, he's had 91 yards per game, which would be second most for a career. Last year he had 98 yards per game, 1.28 touchdowns per game. He's scoring a touchdown a game, basically. If he did not miss those two games, he was on pace for 1,500 yards, and, or 1,570 yards, 20 touchdowns, and over 169 targets, which would be higher than DeAndre Hopkins, who's had the highest over the last five that's, years. That's like two seasons for any other receiver. And yeah. That's just what I was going to say. If he's if you add the four seasons that Julio Jones had 2017 to now, mm-hmm. if he did not miss those two games, he would have he would have totaled the same amount of touchdowns Julio's had since 2017. Wow, <laughs> Julio the goat. It just it's, it's Hul- impressive. Julio. It's sad that Devontae is going to be a Raider next year. <laughs> and this leads to the question we talked about a little bit with Tim. Uh, hold that thought, Josh. I know you got another thing to add. You talk about Adams and you talk about Rodgers and the fact that they could potentially be gone. We, we keep saying good players are going to get theirs. Rodgers and, and Adams prove that. Imagine this team without those two guys potentially going forward. I'm sorry, Packers fan, if that's the reality, we'll, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's sad to see that he was he came from Fresno State, so he was 
older in his in yeah. his football career when he got drafted coming from a smaller school, mm-hmm. and he did not get the playing time immediately with Jordy Nelson obviously being one of the best receivers at the time mm-hmm. in the NFL. So I think if he was able to start immediately, maybe being productive in his More second impact. year instead of his third year, yeah. I think you would have seen him having one of the highest yards per game of all time probably. Yeah. Yeah, so this list, obviously, everyone publishes them. I know Yahoo, CBS, anyone who has a sports platform publishes these lists. But we wanted to give you our take on our top ten. Josh, you had a thought before I close? Yep, I just wanted to add that he, if he did not miss, I believe, five or six games, if he did not miss five or six games in 2019, he would have been a, he would have been a top three wide receiver right behind Chris Godwin. He would have been a top, th- he's been a top three wide receiver since 2018. And I think that he's had the most touchdowns in the league since 2015. With 59, only player that could have caught him was Antonio Brown if he was still on the Steelers. He was still 50, sane. 59 touchdowns since 2015. Mm-hmm. He didn't play in 2015. Mm. He had one touchdown as a backup. Let's go. All right, well, as promised before we wrap up, we want to give you some honorable mentions. Guys, why don't you just throw me somebody who didn't make our list but could easily be in the conversation just outside of our top ten. Give me a name. Allen Robinson. He's on the Bears. They're trending up. Andy Dalton's been better. He's going to be better than Mitch Trubisky, at least. Is I mean, he? Yeah. And they have Justin Fields there who could potentially play, making him really good. He was top 10 the last two years with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, which isn't that good. He <laughs> does. He's had over 150 targets both of those years. He gets a ton of targets. He's had over 1,100 yards both those years. Really consistent guy for PPR. Like I said, he was top 10 both of those years. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just still bitter because every time I have him on my fantasy team, it's a bad stretch or something. I don't know. Yeah, we have him right behind Keenan Allen. Very similar to what Keenan Allen brings in about every aspect. And obviously he's trending up in the quarterback, or with with the new quarterback. I think Andy Dalton's been the best quarterback he's ever played with, not to add Justin Fields. So he's, regardless, he's getting a quarterback improvement, and I think that's that's only a good thing for Allen Robinson. We have him at wide receiver 11. Okay. Yeah, another guy I want to talk about is Mike Evans. Mike Evans, he didn't make the top 10. There's a lot of people in the Buccaneers that have to get their mouths fed. They have Tom Brady there. I think he's still going to be great. Don't fade him in fantasy. He's not one of the top 10 guys for us. I think he's much like A.J. Brown, where he, he's better in standard than PPR. He makes his targets count. He scores a ton of touchdowns. He had 13 last year, and over he had eight the last two years before that. So when he's on the field, he scores touchdowns. He has a ton of upside, and I wouldn't fade him too much further down than the third round in your fantasy league. Yeah, and not to overuse the statement, but it's 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 true. Caleb said it that there's too many mouths or not too many mouths to feed. There's a ton of mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. You have a running, you have multiple running backs. You bring Giovanni Bernard in, who's going to be getting receive or receiving work on the third mm-hmm. down. Yep. Gronk. You have obviously Gronk. He had his best game at the or best games at the end of the year mm-hmm. last year, coming off of retirement. Antonio Brown's going to be playing with him the whole year, uh, coming off of a season la- or two years ago where he didn't even play, other than I think one game with the Patriots. He's going to be getting a full year's of work, not rusty anymore. There's just there's too many mouths to feed, quite frankly, and he's not going to be this top five, top four guy that he was in years past. But he is going to be, as you said, a, a version of like AJ Brown for this offense and for fantasy. All right, one more. We got time for one more. Give me one more guy that could easily be around top ten but didn't quite make the list. Who do we got? Um, it's tight between three guys. I'm gonna name th- all three of them, but mm-hmm. pick one to talk about. Love it. I like Terry McLaurin a lot. He wasn't. He hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns yet because that's quarterback play. I think. Watched the football team. He's trending up with Fitzpatrick. I like him. Mm-hmm. Chris Godwin, Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. A Another lot of, one of the mouths to feed. Yep, a lot of mouths to feed there. Same as Mike Evans, but he gets more receptions than touchdowns. So PPR, Chris Godwin might be a better look. Mm-hmm. 
And then lastly, we're going to talk about is Amari Cooper. Yeah, let's talk about Amari. Because last year he would have been the number one, and clearly this year we're proposing that C.D. Lamb takes that leap forward. Yeah, he's still – I think there's three ones on Dallas. I think Gallup isn't really the best out of the three of them, but I think they could all be number ones yeah. on an offense. They're putting up, certainly uh, – we asked this before. Let me see if, you're, if you've changed your mind. Yeah, hold His, on. I wanted to clarify that we don't mean three wide receiver ones for fantasy. No, 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 no. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But three guys who are capable of, of our algorithm, the big numbers. I asked you before, has your mind changed? Will we see three wide receivers in Dallas get 1,000 yards this year? I think one or two. I think two tops. I don't think it would be three. What, Josh? I don't think you'll see it, but I think I think you will see it more uh, open up more in the next couple of seasons when I think Michael Gallup will not be there. Okay. What's encouraging for Amari Cooper is when Dak was playing, he was the most targeted player on the team. Mm-hmm. He had 130 targets last year. That's with the four quarterbacks that played. 92 catches, 1,100 yards, five touchdowns. He doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. However, he did score eight, seven, and seven years before last. Yeah, that's, that's so he lot. scores enough, mm-hmm. but not as much as the top 10 guys, obviously. He has upside with his receptions, his targets. He's a top 15 receiver the last two years, even with Dak being out. Mm-hmm. He has a ton of upside. For PPR, he's really good, consistent. Consistent is mm-hmm. it's yeah. key for fantasy. Even with the nagging injury, he's yep. pretty consistent. He's been playing through foot injuries, toe injuries. He's been very consistent for Dallas and very consistent for fantasy. I wouldn't fade him, especially with this offense being num- arguably number one, two, or three this year. Mm-hmm. Yep, and as you said, he was he was top 10 last year, and then 2020 he was top 15 with a bunch of backup quarterbacks and a bunch of other moving parts we've already discussed. But here are his target totals with Dak Prescott in the first four games. 14. 14 targets, 9 targets, 12 targets, 16 targets. <laughs> he averaged over 100 yards a game. And while he didn't score as much because Ezekiel was scoring a ton of touchdowns, I believe Dak rushed a couple of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had four rushing touchdowns in three games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, something, it was something wild. But Mark Cooper wasn't getting as many touchdowns, but he was getting over 10 targets a game and over 100 yards per game with uh, Dak Prescott. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm optimistic, but they were super close last year to having three 1,000-yard receivers. I'm, 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 go, I'm going to say yeah, because I still, I believe in Michael Gallup more than you guys do. I think, and I'd like to see it. It'd be fun. It'd be a novelty to see it happen. Yeah, just to go over our list one more time. Number ten, we had Keenan Allen. Number nine, Calvin Ridley. Eight, AJ Brown. Seven, CD Lamb. Six, Justin Jefferson. Five, DK Metcalf. Four, Stephon Diggs. Three, Tariq Hill. Two, DeAndre Hopkins. One, Devontae Adams. In the honorable mentions, I think you can get them in the third, maybe fourth round if you're lucky. Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, I don't believe in him that much, but anyway. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing is, aside from these receivers, I think the wild card and why his ADP is so low is Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones is his first time not being on the Falcons. He's playing aside, or alongside A.J. Brown. And he's been injured. He's been injured for the most part this offseason. Hasn't got a ton of practice time. He's not even practicing right now. So mm. we'll see what happens. But he could be a great value if he does happen to play the whole year. It just it doesn't look like he will be. Yeah, and like all these receivers obviously are great. You, you know that. You can look at the ADP during the draft. You already know they're that good. Watching football, we just put them in our order so you can see what we think about them. Yeah, that's good to, to grab them and put them on your list. So as always, we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you would, go to your favorite podcast place and please leave us a five-star review. It sounds super simple, but it really helps get our show higher up in the algorithms and helps people find out about us. We also post a weekly video on our YouTube channel, so please stop by. Please like and subscribe to our channel as well. Finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, you can follow us over on Instagram. As always, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets.